Praise God. Um, Bible says where there are two or three gathered in my name, uh, I will be in the midst of them. So we can we can be happy that there's more than two or three of us here. Um, Paul in the book of in his first letter to the book to the Corinthians, um, in chapter three, <clears throat> verse ten through eleven. He writes something to the Corinthians. He says, "By the grace of God, by the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ." Before we go into prayer, um, I'd like just to focus on a few minutes on just talking about it's a simple it's, it's nothing new for you guys. You've probably heard this a million times, but just to kind of checking what our foundation is. What are, we, what, are we, what are our lives founded on? How can we be assured that the life that we're living right now, how can we know that we are founded on Jesus Christ? Paul, he, he tells the Corinthians that no, no one can lay any foundation other than the, the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So, what, what do we have to do to, first of all, lay down that foundation? And the first and most obvious step is repentance. And um, in my personal life, repentance was the thing that I had to do first before I could start building my Christian life. I've, I've lived a life where I've kind of built myself like a facade. You know, you guys know what a facade is, that kind of fake front, where I would build my life like with, a, with just like acting like a Christian, but in reality... I was far from God. I was praising God with my lips, but my heart, my thoughts, my everything was far from God. And the first step that I had to do was, was I had to surrender myself. I had to surrender my actions. I had to surrender my, my earthly pleasures that I, you know, that I took so, so much pleasure in. And I had to get rid of all these things and say, God, in order for me to build my life in you, I have to make you my no number one priority. So, before we, can, before we can build a life on G, in Jesus, we have to lay down this foundation of, of repentance. And the book of James, uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Uh, I've caught myself doing this many times where, where I'll justify myself. If I go to church and just listen to the word, I can, I can build my life on that. I can build my life on the fact that I come to church and listen to the songs, and I can, I can just listen to a good song on, on Spirit 1053, and I could just go on and pretend I'm living my life as a Christian, when in fact, if you don't lay down this foundation of repentance first, and this foundation of just denying yourself, you cannot, you cannot build your life upon, upon Christ. And um, when we build a, a good foundation, our, our lives really show it. Sooner or later, um, as the book of Matthew, Jesus says in the book of Matthew, I believe, uh, he tells a story about uh, the man who built a house on a rock and the man who built on sand. And this is, this is, this is true in our lives. If we, if we build our lives on things that are, are passing away and things that are unstable, uh, any, everybody knows sand. We all build sand castles. What happens when the waves hit it? It just washes away. There's nothing there. It just becomes like the rest of the sand. So 
in this prayer, let's ask God to, if we need to repent, let's repent. If we need to confess anything to God, we can confess that to God. Uh, and just, just ask God to change our priorities, change our, our, our mindset, that we, we, we have Him as our foundation instead of other things in our lives. So another thing we could do to uh, continue building our lives on Jesus is continue to see God through prayer, through reading the Word. I know it's hard in our, you know, our weekly routines to find time to spend time with God, but I'm sure we can all do it. We could put away half an hour, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to just seek God, devote, devote this time to God where even tonight we have another uh, an hour left, and in this hour let's just, let's just seek God. Let's ask God to speak to our hearts, see what he has to say to us. And another thing I wanted to say was... Um, if we could, we could pray for each other tonight. I know there's not a lot of us here, and it's okay to ask others. If you're going through anything, it's okay to ask them, do you need prayer, brother? Do you need prayer, sister? It's okay to ask them. Don't, don't be like, you know, like, I'm just going to, you know. Just ask your neighbor, hey, is there anything I could pray to you, uh, for you about? And um, just love your neighbor. That's another thing we could use to uh, build our foundation in Christ. So in this next prayer, let's, let's get on our knees and just surrender our hearts to God, surrender our thoughts to God. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for one another, and let's ask God to, to be our foundation and nothing else. Amen. God is good all the time. <clears throat> How are you guys enjoying the second day of fall? You notice the vegetation already changing leaves, color. It's remarkable. <clears throat> Before I start, uh, I want to read Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Tonight I want to talk about a thought that I've observed and I've been thinking for a while. Uh, each and every one of us casts a shadow on people who live around us. And I'd like to simplify it into three groups. Those people who are in our shadow by proximity, those be our siblings, our coworkers, our neighbors. Those people who put themselves strategically around us because they feel something, be it good or bad, that they want to be around. And then those people who are accidentally around us might be the coffee barista. They make eye contact, she knows your name, but it's kind of awkward because she doesn't really know you. Or the guy who works out across the gym all the time, every single time you're at the gym. What's so hard is that people are watching us, and they're watching our works, they're watching what we do. It's even harder 
for us as Christ followers. Because it's quite different. They're looking at us and perhaps asking themselves, is this how I want to be as a Christian? The saddest thing that I've come across in my life is that sometimes you want to live an invisible life, isolate yourself from everybody, and fulfill your own desires. But we have to understand that's not God's purpose because we are children of Christ. We're here to make an impact on the world. When you live a life of compromise, I see your shadow as becoming foggy. It's not clear of who you are. Sometimes when we live a life that is of compromise, we start to stray away from the word of God. The thing is about our shadows is they're always consistent with our lives. They're a reflection of our own heart. A shadow cannot express compassion if it doesn't have compassion in the heart. It can't express a fountain of kindness if it doesn't have kindness filled in its heart. In a shirt can't permeate with Christ's love if you haven't experienced Christ's love and it's not in your heart. The thing about this shadow is you can't really possess one if you're not near a light. So my calling to everybody for your shadow to be brighter and have a bigger impact on the world is to become come closer to Christ, to the source of the light, Jesus. And I know it's theory and it's, it's written down in the Bible, but it's really hard for us to fulfill it if we isolate ourselves. So I guess there's a reason why we gather sometimes on Tuesdays for prayer to ask God to help us in our daily lives. We're all becoming entangled in this fast world, fast internet, fast cars. Everything's got to be done quickly, but we struggle to slow down and take, it, take a look at the little things in life. Like I mentioned about the leaves, I just noticed it today. That our maple tree in the front of our yard is turning red. It's a sign of fall. Before I close, I want to read Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and to you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask for or think, 
according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory to the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. My calling is tonight that we pray so that our hearts be transformed so our shadows will have an impact on the world around us so that people look at us and they say, yes, those are Christians. We want to be like them so we can pass the word of God to everybody. Amen. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Um, uh, I thank God for this evening. Uh, there's not as many people as usual here, but it's okay. I think we're doing great. Praise God. Um, we're praying, and that's what's most important. We're praying in a prayer. You know, we're praying in a prayer service. That's already pretty good, if you ask me. Um, I wanted to read from the book of James tonight, and uh, amongst the church. There's saved people, there's converted people, there's born-again Christians there, as there should be. But amongst the church, there's also unconverted people. There's people who are not yet saved. And the problem comes in a church, as Andre was reading, James chapter 1, for example, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Don't be deceived, it's saying. If you are a Christian, you will not only hear the word, you will do what it says. The Word of God is like a mirror, the Bible says. As we read the Word of God, we see, as in a mirror, our own condition. As I read the Word of God, I see what I really look like. When I read the Word of God, I am seeing a comparison. And in this comparison, some stuff's not what it should be. Let's put it that way. I am not as I ought to be brothers and sisters, there are places in my life where I am still struggling, where I need freedom. I need freedom from sin. I need victory. You know, I became a Christian when I was around 12, 13 years old, first time I repented. And God saved me, but it took many years for me to get a really good grip on my mind, for example. I became a Christian, but it still took a few years for me to stop cussing, right? I became a Christian, but it still took time for me. It took a very long time for me to get rid of some habits, video games, for example. And for your life, you read the Word of God, you pick it up, and you say, what are the idols in my life? And you know what that is for you, and I know what that is for me. And if I am a true Christian, I will not pick up this Word, look in the mirror, and walk away unchanged. If I read the Word of God, I look into this mirror, and I see that I am not what I should be, and I walk away, and I do nothing. I do not change. I do not apply what is written in this word. I am like a man who looks in the mirror, and he sees things are not as they ought to be. And I walk away, and I forget what I look like. The true Christian will read the word of God and apply it to themselves. And that should be common sense. But there's unbelievers also amongst the church. 
And in the same book, the book of James, now in chapter 4, verse 6, it says something a little bit differently. It says, but He, being God, gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And now this is the message to the non-believer. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. The love for the world and the love for God is not compatible. And so to the sinner who is trying to do both, he is saying, cleanse your hands. Purify yourselves. You are double-minded. You are unstable in all that you do. In the beginning of James, it says, Seek, if you want wisdom, ask God, and God will give it to you. But what does it say? But ask in faith. Because he who asks without faith is like a man, a double-minded man. And he should not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because his loyalty is divided between the world and God. And so... In this prayer service, with a little bit of time that we have left, I want to pray for those of you in this place because this is normal. Amongst the church, there's believers and there's non-believers. To you sinners, I say, as the Word of God says, cleanse your hands. You double-minded, purify your hearts. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, but what do you need to do? You need to draw near to God. If you have heard God's voice and you have felt the conviction of His Spirit, you need to draw near to God. You need to submit yourself to God, and then He will draw near to you. You need to surrender everything that you think you know about yourself. You need to stop thinking that things are okay, things are not okay. If you are not saved and you are in this place, you're going to hell. There is one place for the sinner, and that is hell. All of us here deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve hell for my sin. You deserve hell for your sin. But God in these last days has spoken to us through His Son, and He has told us that if we surrender to Him, and we put our hope in Him, and we believe in Him, then we will be saved, brothers and sisters. So, my prayer, my desire for this next prayer is that we might question ourselves. The Word of God says that it is, it's a normal thing. Judge yourselves. Question. Examine yourself whether or not you're in the faith. Examine yourself. Am I truly saved or have I been double-minded? Have I been loving the world and trying to make God fit in my schedule too? Have I been just kind of on the fence doing a little bit of both? Lament and weep. Sinners, cleanse your hands. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. But you must humble yourself. And if you're in this place and you realize that that is you, that you have not surrendered, you have not humbled to God, you know, my call for you is to repent. There is nothing else. You need to repent. Whether you do that here or at home or on the way home, you need 
to repent. You need to repent. You can do this where you're seated. You don't have to come to the front to an altar call. I went to so many altar calls, but I did not change. I was looking in the mirror, and I would walk away, and I was exactly the same. But to you who are not saved, repent. While today is the day of salvation, repent. Tomorrow is not promised. So let's get on our knees and let us pray. Praise the Lord. This is great. This is awesome. I like that there are sisters in the first row and in the second and in the third row and as well for the brothers. The place is booked. That's This is good. Praise God. This has been a wonderful uh, time in prayer, and I am glad. I am glad. I think we heard a lot today um, in the short sermons. Amen? In the very short sermons. Um, and God is speaking. God is communicating something. Question is, can I hear him? Can I hear God? Because he's been speaking today. Th through the sermons, through the worship, through the prayers, in the prayers. Um, what is he trying to tell me? And, uh, you know, sin is extremely sinful and it's deadly. It's deadly. There's no way around it. Uh, God is extremely merciful and good and gracious and loving and kind. He's waiting for long suffering. Is that the right word? He's waiting. He waited for me for many years when I was in my doing, excuse me, the things that I was doing and enjoying my young life. Uh, he was patiently waiting. And he's patiently waiting for people that are possibly here today. If you know that you need prayer support, that you need somebody to pray with, um, I'm not going to preach, but I'm going to just call you to, to pray with you, um, to help you in prayer, to lift up your prayer to God. You know, the person, uh, the mediator, the one who stands in between is Jesus Christ. We could never ever see God. It's impossible. In fact, nobody saw God. No one living saw God. And if not for this person that said, I will introduce people to God. His name is Jesus Christ. And what that is, is somebody stronger than myself, than I am, has to come down and has to, on my behalf, speak to the one who is all-powerful because I cannot access God. 
Not even my prayer can access God. Only a prayer of sinner, of course. Uh, but not by my righteousness. And Jesus said, I will be that person who will, on your behalf, talk to the Father and say, he needs help. She needs help. Would you help him? Would you accept them? Would you give them eternal blessings, eternal pleasures of my presence, of your presence? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So today, if you would like somebody to pray with you here, please come out. We'll pray together with our brothers, our leaders. Um, only if you feel like if you need a prayer. <clears throat> We're going to have the last prayer and then we will uh, go into announcements. And the very last prayer will be for um, for our country. Because the Bible says that uh, first of all, then I urge you that you, that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. God wants us to pray for President Trump. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants us to pray for our governor? Doesn't matter what political party he belongs to. Doesn't matter um, who they are or what values they value or not value. If the values are matching, the Bible is calling us to pray for those people. Amen? For one simple reason, that we may live a quiet life in all godliness and dignity and that more people will be saved. And I would like to invite you to pray for our government, for our president, for our country, um, that God would extend his mercy and his grace. And for the president that will be elected in 2020. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's, let's uh, offer that prayer. Lord. Thank you for the country that you are.